This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning, uh, including we have Anthony Baca and we also have Mark. So those of you, if you just can take a seat, we know that our morning devotional just ended. Again, for those of you, if you come to all the seminars, you can have a free canvassing bag. And also, if you make it, and I'll do a deal with you, if you can just come even for five, we can still have something for you. Maybe we can get you a, a, a great controversy or one of the MAGA books. So uh, Alyssa, she's going around. She, she's, you can see her finger is white. That's because she's coming around with stickers. Get a sticker from her. You'll have a yellow paper, and you can receive some canvassing prize at the very end. You could redeem that, and you receive all six. You get your own GYC edition canvassing bag. Uh, I'll make that announcement at the end, and you'll also receive a starter packet for books. But before we begin, I'm going to have Anthony Baca. He also teaches at Souls West. He'll be sharing a little bit of a testimony as we talk about the great controversy and the great solution, literature evangelism today. So go ahead, Anthony. You can have the opening prayer, and you can share. Good morning. Let's go down and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come and to open up your word and to study. And we ask now that your spirit would be here to be the true teacher and the true guide, that you would impress principles upon our hearts and our minds that would not only help us to know your will for these last days, uh, but that would also transform us to be more like Christ. Bless us to this end. Be with me as I share testimony and be with the main presenter this morning as he speaks on literature evangelism. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just a little over five years ago, if you were to talk to me, I would not have been a Christian. I actually would have been an agnostic. And during my time as agnostic, I met a really, really nice Seventh-day Adventist who became a really good friend of mine. And over the course of period, he invited me to church, and I came to church, and I started attending a Seventh-day Adventist church, but I still had a lot of questions. Do you guys ever have questions, unanswered questions? I had a lot of unanswered questions, especially coming from an agnostic background. And he did what any good Seventh-day Adventist would do. Do you know what he did, aside from giving me Bible studies? He gave me a book called Great Controversy. Anyone ever read that book called The Great Controversy? So he put a piece of literature in my hand, um, because he didn't really know all the answers either. But he said, this is a great book. It'll answer a lot of your questions. Now, anyone here not from a Christian background originally? You were converted to Christianity later in life? Amen. Praise God. So you, you can understand what I mean when I, when I started getting questions answered from this book and from the Bible for the very first time, how my mind was just illuminated. It was almost as if light broke through darkness that enshrouded my mind and like this relief came to me as I learned so much about the character of God as found in the precious books that we carry. And so I thank God for that book, Great Controversy. It really helped answer a lot of my questions and it, God used it as a modality to pull me from darkness into his marvelous light. Now, a few years later, I'd get the privilege to be in the city of Las Vegas. Now, you want to talk about dark cities, that is a dark city. And uh, me and my friend Karen were able to go door to door, and I met a young man named J.D. He's a good friend of mine now. And we gave him a book, not knowing the fullness of his background. It was a book, Steps to Christ. You ever hear of that little book? What great controversy did to me, Steps to Christ did to my good friend. That book, he says, brought him from darkness to light that I didn't know the struggles that he was facing. I didn't know what he was going through. We just gave him the book and prayed with this young man. 
And I didn't know that because of that book that he would get baptized in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Because of that book, he would become a Cole Porter literature evangelist. Because of that book, he would attend a Bible training school to become a leader in God's last day church. Because of one book, Steps to Christ. I'm here because of a book, Great Controversy. And ultimately, we're all here because of a book, the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God is powerful. Turn your Bibles to Revelation 18, verse 1. When I think of my experience and J.D.'s experience, I think of Revelation 18, verse 1. If you've never studied the book of Revelation, I highly encourage you to study it. Revelation 18, verse 1 is the culmination of the three angels' message, is dubbed the fourth angel, as it were, where all three proclaimed the loud voice. And notice what verse 1 says. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Ellen White equates this verse with the outpouring of the latter rain and the, wrap, the wrapping it up of last day events. You guys want that experience? Publishing ministry, page 50. And in a large degree, through our publishing houses, through our what? Publishing houses is to be accomplished the work of that other angel who comes down from heaven with great power and who lightens the earth with his glory. Know that the culprit work is a prophetic work. It is a work that God has called to take light into a dark world that it might be filled with the knowledge of glory of God and that we might go home. Amen? I pray that it is my desire that you, in whatever sphere you have, could pass out some form of literature that it might be light to someone else. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. One of the joys of doing this seminar is you will be hearing a bunch of testimonies of people who are changed by evangelism, specifically literature evangelism. And later on, at the end, you'll be hearing one of the most powerful testimonies I've heard by Mark. I can't wait for you to hear his story. It's actually an angel experience that was shared in California. So that will be at the very end. Let's go ahead and get into the message. It's called The Great Controversy and The Great Solution. We'll have one more word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we enter into the mind of Satan, we ask that you guard us as we look and see the very depths of the great controversy and what it's over, we ask that you will illuminate our mind. We submit ourselves to you and we ask that Jesus will be our invited guest, that the Holy Spirit will teach us, and that we can do all to please you. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. I asked the question yesterday, does anyone remember what the word Lucifer stands for? Does anyone remember? Yes. Good, good. Uh, Lucifer means the shining one, the brilliant one. The Latin Vulgate renders that as light bearer. Uh, I'll show you where that comes from. Let's go in our Bibles to Isaiah 14 verse 12. Let's go ahead and look at Isaiah, at, uh, Isaiah. Isaiah has an insight as to what took place in heaven. Many of you, if you have been door to door, one of the number one, if you want to call it questions, that an atheist or agnostic has is where did sin and suffering come from? And Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 gives us an insight as to what took place. Again, today's message is entitled The Great Controversy and the Great Solution, Literature Evangelism. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. Saints, are you there? 
All right, verse 12, it says, How art you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art you cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend up the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. Whenever a crime takes place, the investigators ask a question, what's the motive? That's the question everyone is asking with the recent school shooting. What is the motive? What was the motive of Lucifer? He wanted to be what? Like the Most High. He wanted to ascend his throne above the Most High. Now, not only do we get an insight into Lucifer's mind, we also will get to see what he was like or his job duty or his, his job description before the fall. Go to Ezekiel 28. Whenever a crime takes place, not only do investigators, not only do they find, try to find the motive, but they also try to find the background. What was the past life like? What was your childhood like? What were your teachers like? And Ezekiel 28 shows us a glimpse as to Satan's past. Ezekiel chapter 28, and notice what it says in verse 14. Ezekiel chapter 28, and when you're there in verse 14, say amen. Okay, so now we get to see his job duty. We get to see what he was doing before he was up to no good. Ezekiel 28 verse 14, it says, You are the anointed cherub that covers. What was his job? Okay, he was, what's a cherub? An angel. What did this angel do? This wasn't just any angel. The angel was a covering angel. Do you guys see that? What was this angel covering? God's glory. Now, in the most holy place, we all know there's a sanctuary in heaven. Go to Psalms 102 verse 19. There's many other verses. There's a sanctuary in heaven. And we have God's throne, right? And when we look at the sanctuary, how many angels are covering the mercy seat? Two. Do you know who those two angels were? Okay. Lucifer and Gabriel, right? Now, we know what happens here. We see that Lucifer, that he is, that he is the anointed cherub that covers. Now, continuing on, it also says, And I have set thee... You were upon the holy mountain of God, you who have walked up and down in the middle of the stones of fire. Do you see the special privileges that Lucifer had? Verse 15, you were perfect in the way from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. Then we see verse 17, probably the most important verse that gives us a clue as to what Lucifer was thinking. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. All right, verse 17. I want you to see something fascinating here. Question for you. What happened to Lucifer? He was in trouble. He was 
because of his pride, he was cast where? He was cast out. Now, we know Revelation 12, verse 9 says there was war, or Revelation 12, 7, there was war in heaven. And then verse 9 tells us that Satan was kicked out of heaven and he was cast into where? It tells us the exact location, the earth, right? Does anyone know in verse 17, Ezekiel 28, verse 17, it says he was cast before kings. Does anyone know who are the kings? We got it. Someone here said, we are the kings. You have a scripture for that. On the money. Revelation 1, 6. Let's all go there. Revelation 1, verse 6. Question was, Lucifer was cast down. And we're now finding out where was he cast into. Well, Revelation 12, 9 says he was cast into the earth. And Ezekiel 28 says he was cast before kings. We're now trying to find out who are the kings. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. My brother Isaiah here gave us the correct answer that the kings happen to be we, us as humans. Verse 6. It says, and hath made us what, everyone? kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So I want you to think about this. God is light, right? John eight twelve says God is light. Satan was cast where, everyone? To the earth. Now let's go ahead and see the condition of the earth. Go to Genesis 1 and verse 1. Genesis 1 and verse 1. Now, we're going to learn some things about a couple of verses that you might not have seen before. So I want you to see that Satan was the, Lucifer was the original light bearer. When he fell, he got a name change. He no longer was a light bearer, so he can't have that title anymore. By the way, Lucifer is not his real name. It's just a a description of him, that he was a light bearer. Because he fell... Notice the condition of the earth. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Question for you. What was created on the first day? Starts with an L, ends with it. That's right. It's light. Good. Light was created on the first day. Now, notice this. In Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So God created the heaven and the earth. In other words, there was a bunch of planets, a bunch of galaxies that God created, and they were just out there. When Satan fell, of all the places that became his home, where did his new home become? Earth, right? Notice this. Verse 2, it gives us the condition of earth. It says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Question for you. There were things on this earth already. Why does the Bible say that the earth was dark? Okay, why? Now, what is, what is darkness? The absence of light, right? Darkness is simply the absence of light. Now, if the earth says that it was dark, who was the original, or who do we have as a light bearer in heaven? Lucifer, right? Now that Lucifer is no longer a light bearer, his light is removed, he now represents darkness. So now when we see the earth is dark, why is it dark? Who lives here? 
Satan. This is his dominion. This is his kingdom, right? Okay, going on. Let me, and I'm going to prove it to you from the Bible. Let me give you some more verses. It says something else. It says, not only was it dark, it says that the face of God moved upon the face of waters, or the Spirit of God moved upon the face of waters. Did you know that there was already water here? Now, we think that water was created on the second day. No, there was already water here. Let me show you a passage you might not have seen before. Go in your Bibles now to Revelation, excuse me, go to, um, go to Isaiah. This one is a fascinating passage. It's one that I enjoy looking at. Isaiah 27, verse 1. 27, verse 1. Hope you don't mind. We're having a Bible study this morning. All right. GYC, are you at Isaiah 27, verse 1? It says, in, the day, in that day, the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent. Who's the great serpent? Satan, right? Revelation 12, verse 9, Satan is that great serpent. Even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the where? So where does the dragon live? The sea, right? Now, let me, I have to confess something for you. I love the water. I love the ocean. Now, I used to have this pastor friend who didn't like the ocean. And he would always tell me, Michael, you better not, you better not get too attached to the ocean. And I said, why? He said, did you know that in heaven, there's no more sea? And that troubled me for a little bit. I thought of the nice, beautiful Pacific Ocean that I grew up by in California. And I thought, man, a God of love wouldn't have the water. Little did I realize what, this is, what, what it means. You know, in, the, in Revelation 21, verse 1, when it says there is no more sea, that's figurative language for this. 27, verse 1, it says that the dragon came out of where, everyone? The sea. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the face of God moved upon what? The waters or the sea. So I want you to understand that when you, it talks about the word sea, this is referring to a symbolic language for Satan and where he comes from. Also, if you go to Revelation chapter 17, we don't have time to go there. But when it talks about the great whore, where does the great whore sit upon? The sea, right? So we see this over and over when it talks about where Satan comes from. It's, it seems to be always from the sea or the, these waters here. All right. Now that we understand this, that this really is Satan's dominion, that this is really Satan's home, we know that Satan was kicked out of heaven, we know that Satan and all his angels were also kicked out, now we're going to draw some spiritual points out of this, some spiritual elements, I like to call it. We're, we're now going to take the physical and relate it to the spiritual. With that being said, let's now go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, just how the world was once in darkness and God created light, the same thing God wants us to do in this very present world. And we're going to be looking at that today. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, we're going to be looking a little bit of that word light. 
Ephesians 6, verse 12, notice what it says. It says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of what, everyone? Darkness of this world. So whenever you see sea or, or the waters or darkness or without form or void, that's in reference to Satan, that this is his kingdom. Now, do you remember that passage where it says that Satan is cast down and he's cast before what, everyone? Kings, right? What God did is this. The first great controversy was in heaven. In heaven, who won that battle? We don't seem too sure of ourselves. Revelation chapter 12, remember there was war in heaven. Michael is an angel, fought against the dragon. Who was cast out of heaven? Right, the devil. So the devil lost that one. Now the devil, he could have easily made the he could have easily made the statement, well, we were in your hometown. I don't know if any of you are sports fans, but I used to be a big sports fan, and there's something called home court advantage. And the devil could easily say, You had home court advantage. What about if we come here to this world? We have the next battle between God and Satan taking place on this planet, on this world, in the form of Adam and Eve. Who won that battle, Adam and Eve or Satan? Satan won that one. So what's the score now? It's one-to-one. There has to be a tiebreaker, right? So what happens? Jesus says, he, you know what? I love my, my children too much to allow them to lose this battle. He comes in the form of a human being, fallen, sinful, and he takes on the temptations that you and I have to deal with, and he handles Satan here on this earth. Remember the cross, the story of the cross, and how, how Satan was soundly defeated. Now, now that's, that Christ has won the battle, we see that truth has triumphed. Light has triumphed. But the thing is, there are so many other people in this world. Now, I want to show you what this great controversy battle is over. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now we know that Satan is the prince of darkness, that he is rulers of dark places. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. And we have a few points we're going to make this morning. Point number one is the individual spiritual darkness. So there's individual spiritual darkness that we're going to address and talk about this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Are we all there? Amen. Notice what the Bible says. It says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. The God of what world, everyone? Who is this referring to? Satan, right? So the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. Now, if you're blinded, are you dark? Are you in darkness or are you in light? You're in darkness. So as you can see, Satan has blinded us. Continuing on. It says, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we are individually in spiritual darkness. Now, in the beginning, when there was darkness, what did God do? He said, let there be what? Light. Another question for you. 
who was that light? Obviously, it wasn't the sun, right? When, what day was the sun created? Day number four. So when God said, let there be light, what was that light? Verse 6. Let's go ahead and look at verse 6. It says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. What is this in reference to, everyone? Creation, right? Genesis chapter 1. Has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 6 tells us what is the light? It's the character of Jesus. It's God's character. By God showing up with his son, when the Trinity showed up, that was light. Let there be light. God's presence was there. Now, this is what the great controversy is over. Look at this quote here. This is found in volume five of the testimonies, page 746. Listen to this. It says, just before us is the closing struggle of the great controversy. Is the what, everyone? Closing struggle. When with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, Satan is to do what? He's working to misrepresent the character of God. Satan did this in heaven. That's the reason why he was able to allow so many angels to fall is because he painted a bad picture of God. That's the reason why Adam and Eve fall. Do you remember the Garden of Eden when Satan is talking to Eve? What did he tell Eve? He says, if you eat of this fruit, you shall not surely die and you'll be like what? God's. In other words, God doesn't want you to be like us. We're enlightened. You're not. The whole great controversy is over God's character. And as we get closer and closer to the end of time, you will see what Satan is doing is he's trying to misrepresent the character of God. Evangelism, page 242, it says this. He is a deceiver. What is Satan doing, everyone? He's falsifying the character of God. So now let me ask you a question. If Satan is misrepresenting God's character, what is our job? Listen to what evangelism says in page 330. What is our job? A lot of times we want to find out what is my, what is my duty in life? What should I do? We, especially as young people, we're trying to figure out what career choices we should make. Let me give you some light from the spirit of prophecy. Notice what it says in evangelism, page 330. The minister of Christ, by the way, we're all called to be ministers of Christ, who is imbued with the spirit and love of his master, will so labor that the character of God, the what, everyone? Character of God and his dear son may be made manifest in the fullest and clearest manner. He will strive to have his hearers become intelligent in their conceptions of the character of God. What are you and I supposed to do? What we are asked to do is tell people the truth of God's character. How many of you have ever experienced some high school drama before? You know what I'm talking about? When this person said this behind your back and talked trash behind your back. I don't know what it is about drama, but it always has to do with he said, she said, right? 
What, when it comes down to the drama that takes place, it comes down to someone misrepresenting your character. Someone has talked bad behind you. Someone has said something that is not true. And that is exactly what Satan is doing. He's going and he's finding any audience that he can. And he says to each person, he says, God is like this. God is like that. And when you and I, when we meet people, when we meet random strangers and we ask them, why don't you want this track? Why don't you want to come to church? What's the number one reason? I don't want to serve a God where you burn in hell forever. I don't want to serve a God that caused millions of people to die. When you talk to people and when you ask them, why don't you want to serve God? The number one reason is they have a misunderstanding of what, everyone? God's character. So that's why our job as literature evangelists, or I should say evangelists in general, is to paint the correct picture of God. That's why when you go door to door, and you're going to go door to door later on this afternoon, when you go door to door and when you talk about the truths of the Sabbath, you don't tell people and say, you need to... You need to worship on Sabbath because if you don't, it's the mark of the beast. The way you do it is you say, you know, God loves you so much that he wants you to have a one-day vacation. The rest of the world wants you to work seven days out of the week. They want you to live a, 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 a busy life where God wants one day with time with you and him. What about when it comes to state of the dead? How can we share state of the dead in light of God's character? Instead of saying, you know, when you die, you don't go to heaven. That's ridiculous. You know, of course, for some people, that's, that's really hard to hear. You don't go to heaven. You're just sleeping. The way to do it is, you know, God loves you so much that instead of you dying and going to heaven and seeing your loved ones suffer, he doesn't want you to witness suffering. He loves you so much that he puts you to sleep. And he wakes you up when the nightmare is over. Did you get that? We are supposed to be gospel workers sharing the truth of God's character. Saying it in a way where people will see how much God loves us. All right. So point number one was our individual spiritual darkness. Point number two today is our corporate spiritual darkness. Go to Isaiah 60 verse 2. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 2. Here's some extra credit for you. For those of you who've never studied the book Isaiah, there are 66 chapters in the book Isaiah. Does anyone know how many books are in the Bible? 66, that's right. Did you know that the last two chapters of Isaiah deal with heaven and the new Jerusalem? Guess what the last two chapters deal with in the Bible? Revelation 21, 22 deals with new Jerusalem and heaven. The book Isaiah is a little Bible. It's a miniature Bible, so that's just some extra credit for you. Isaiah 60, verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. Are we all there? It says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. The darkness shall what, everyone? So it's not only individual darkness. Remember how we saw the God of this world? He's blinding them, or he's blinding individuals. Not only does Satan want to blind individuals, but what else does he want to do, everyone? He wants there to be darkness upon what? The earth. It says, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. Notice what this says in Great Controversy. Excuse me, Behold Your God, page 13. 
The study of God's character is the very subject of what, everyone? The great controversy. Have you ever wondered what the great controversy is over? Behold Your God, page 13, says that the study of God's character is the very subject of the great controversy. The whole world lies in ignorance of God as He really is. And we who have lived in the world have been unconsciously influenced by this atmosphere. Did you know that? By you living in this world, unconsciously you have been influenced by your environment. There is no subject then in which the need to lay aside preconceived ideas and opinions is more critical than this one. It says this. Now, this one is pretty amazing. This is found in 4th Bible Commentary 1153. He was to represent to the world the attributes of God's character. But the world, unaccustomed to gaze upon truth, turned from the light to the darkness of error. For error was more to their perverted tastes than truth. Do you know when Jesus came, he was trying to give people light. But have you ever been in darkness for a really long time and someone shines a light in your face? What happens? Oh, get that away from me, right? Or maybe you're sleeping and someone turns on the light and you just grimace in pain and you turn over. You're unaccustomed to light. And when Jesus came, he was so bright. His character was so beautiful. Did you know that it says here that error was more to their perverted taste than truth? They're unaccustomed to his gaze. So now that we see that the world is in darkness, now that we see individuals are in darkness, what is the solution? Let's talk about the individual solution. Go in your Bibles to 2 Peter 1 verse 19. We only have about 10 more minutes, and then we will end with Mark's testimony. So now we see that there's individual darkness, and we see that there is corporate darkness. Now let's find what is the solution to this. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Are we all there? We talked about this yesterday as we talked about what separates scriptures, the Savior, and the spirit of prophecy. 2 Peter 1 verse 19. The Bible says, We have also a more sure word of what, everyone? Prophecy. Whereunto you do well, that you take heed as unto a what, everyone? Light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and in the day star arise in your hearts. Question for you. We are all individually in darkness. According to this, what is the solution to individual darkness? It's prophecy. What is prophecy? It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. You don't believe me? Go to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We are all in darkness, and how do we get out of the darkness? It says the sure word of prophecy, which is a light. Revelation chapter 1. What does it mean to study the book Revelation? I love what it says in the first passage of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. The revelation of who, everyone? Jesus Christ. Did you know that when you study prophecy, you're really studying who? You're studying Jesus. You may think that it's a bunch of beasts. 
You may think that it's a bunch of dragons. You may think that it's a bunch of horsemen. But when you study Revelation, when you study the prophetic books, you will find God's character. Now, the reason why, does anyone know why Revelation specifically was written in symbols? Why was it written in beasts? Why was it written where there are dragons? What on earth is it? Sounds like a, a nightmare. Sounds like a, a horror film. Why would the Bible write it in such a way? Well, let me give you a very simple answer. Who wrote the book of Revelation? Right? John, where did he write it? Island of Patmos, good. Was he in a vacation home or was he in prison? He was in prison, right? Now, who was, who was guarding him? Roman guards, right? Now, what do you think would happen if, if John, when he was writing Revelation, if he would put there the Roman Empire and he would talk about Rome? Do you think the guards who were reading his letters would let, allow these letters to go to the church? Absolutely not. So the book Revelation is written in code language. It's written in, in a secret Morse code. And it's written in this language. So when the guard reads dragons and the guard sees horsemen and when he sees beasts, what do you think the guard is thinking to himself? This guy is nuts. This is a nutcase, right? But when it goes to the churches, because they understand and God has given them light to understand prophecy, they can uncode and learn what's going to happen in the end times. That's why it's written in this almost prophetic language. Okay, so we see here that the solution to our individual darkness is prophecy. Now, notice what this says. This is how we can solve the corporate darkness. How do we solve the rest of the world that's in darkness? Publishing Ministry, page 50. This quote was read earlier. I'll read it again. And in a large degree through our publishing houses, through our what, everyone? Publishing houses is to be accomplished the work of that other angel who comes down from heaven with great power. Revelation 18, verse 1, this other angel comes. In addition to the three angel message, this other angel comes to aid the three angels message with great power. And who does what? What does this angel do? Lightens the earth with his glory. What does that mean? I want to end with this quote. Ellen White says here, she has this vision. By the way, did you know that the most vivid visions that Ellen White had were of the publishing work? Did you know that all the pioneers, James White, Ellen White, Joseph Bates, did you know they were not only founders of our church, not only students of the word, did you know that they were all writers? Have you ever wondered why all the pioneers, the, the original pioneers, they have a book? That's because they were all literature evangelists. They wrote books do you think they had million-dollar editors who edited? Do you, know, do you know who edited their books? They did. Especially originally when they were, they were just teenagers, 16, 17, 18, 21. They didn't have the big pockets. They didn't have a lot of money. They wrote the books. They edited the books, and they printed the books. And guess what they did with the books? They handed out the books. None of you have done that, have you? I know I haven't. I haven't written a book. I haven't published a book. I haven't edited a book. You know what all we have to do is hand out the books. That's it. 
of all of those things, we get the easiest job. They have done the hard work, and all we need to do is pass it out to people. Listen to this vision. This is one of the most vivid visions Ellen White has. It says, after coming out of vision, I said to my husband, I have a message for you. You must begin to print a little paper and send it out to the people. Let it be small at first, but as the people read, they will send you means with which to print. And it will be a success from the first. From this small beginning, it was shown to be like streams of light that went clear around the world. Have you ever wondered how, will the, how in the world will this message that we have get to all the places in the earth? How is that going to happen? It goes around through our literature. My wife and I have had the privilege of going to different countries, Africa, several countries there. We just came back from India, been to Asia, Korea, Philippines. My wife has been to Honduras. Everywhere we go, there's literature, good or bad. It's either literature for the devil, which we read yesterday. We read a a quote where it talked about the press can be used for good or bad. Everyone has heard of Justin Bieber. Everyone's heard of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. They all get newspapers and magazines there. They all get Sports Illustrated. But here's the good news. They also have Steps to Christ there. They also know what glow is. Wherever we go, they have glow. Beloved, the literature goes in places where you and I can't. That's why it is so important to understand the importance of literature evangelism. As we close, I have Mark... Mark is a student at Weimar. He canvassed for Youth Rush this summer. He canvassed in the Hawaii Conference, which is his home conference. He was in the military before, and now he's in God's military. And now he has devoted his life to evangelism. He has a burden specifically for health and also for literature. Mark, why don't you tell everyone at GYC what happened this summer? Well, good morning. Um, as uh, Mike had mentioned, yes, I'm from Hawaii. It's my um, hometown. And so h- how many of us ever canvassed before? Um, h- and how many of us remember the first time you guys went canvassing? And so back in Hawaii this past summer, um, this was my first time going canvassing. I've never done this work uh, ever in my life before. And so um, one of the experiences that I, that I could remember so clearly was uh, one day, how many of us know Angel Mahaulu? Some of us, okay. So Angel was uh, our, our leader, and uh, she, she dropped me off on this street. And so I walked down this street, and at the end of this long driveway, there's three houses um, at the end. And so I'm asking God, Lord, which house should I go to? And then immediately, there's in the middle house, there was a, a young girl. So we made eye contact. So I was like, okay, since I made the contact, I'm going to go there first. So I went to her, her house. And, you know, long story short, she just got, you know, she gave a donation. And she got an HD out, which is a Steps to Christ. And then I came out of the middle house. And I had two houses to do, one on my left, one on the right. And they were both fenced in or gated houses. And, um, and I asked God, I was like, Lord, which house should I go? The one on the left or the one on the right? 
And immediately, I heard a voice coming down from the long driveway. It said, come out. Just come out. So I came out. I looked down the driveway, and I saw Ray, one of our uh, members from our team. And she, all, she didn't say any word. She, all she did was she just pointed to the house on the right. She just did that. And I was like, okay, you know. And I said, thank you. Thank you so much. So I went to the house on the right. And it was a, a wooden, wooden um, you know, it was wood fence. And I knocked on the wood three times, no answer. And I was like, Lord, you, you know, what, what's going on? Like, nobody's here. And the Lord just impressed me to knock a fourth time. And so after knocking the fourth time, finally, the lady pops out from the window and she says, what do you want? And I was like, oh, hi, ma'am. We're just student working on a scholarship, you know, just a simple canvas. And uh, I said, ma'am, I, I have to show you something real quick before I go. I'll be real quick. And she's like, I don't have time. Why are you here? You're wasting so much of my time. I'm, I'm watching, you know, blah, blah, blah. So long story short, um, she's, she, she gets convicted to come outside the, the house. And um, she, she also has dogs. And she says, the dogs are going to chew you up. And you're going to get eaten. And I was like, it's okay. I, I had worse things happen to me in the past. And she's like, okay, well, I'm coming down. And if the dogs are there, then, then so be it. And so she came down. She, the, the gate opened. So I got to meet her face to face. And at first glance, she looked very pale. Uh, she looked distraught. In. Her face was, she was so sad. And she just had this, like, um, like this grin on her face. And I just asked her, ma'am, it seems like you're going through something difficult. Uh, what's, what's going on? And so she started to open up and she's like, well, you know, you don't, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. I'm like, what do you mean? And she says, I'm actually, I'm actually dying of cancer. And I looked at her, I looked at her face and, and also her hair. She didn't have any hair. She was, she was bald and she's, like her skin was pale, and she says, I'm actually dying of cancer, and my doctor just told me yesterday that I have days to live. And so I'm like, I was like, oh, Lord, what do I say? I'm, I'm praying, like, Lord, how could I bring light to this woman who's in total darkness? And the Lord impressed to bring out the book, Peace Above the Storm, and I showed her the book, and I said, ma'am, I read this twice. And it's, it's really helped me to get out of this spiritual darkness that, that I was going. See, so you don't understand was that she told me, she says, not even my pastors came and visited me. But you came to my door and you gave me this book called Peace Above the Storm. And because of that, I want to help you out. I will read this book. And I told her, ma'am, please, before you, before you rest, please just promise me to read this book on your knees. And God will lead you into all truth. And she says, I will. I will do that. And so we, we said a prayer, and then she went on her way back into the house. And so I went out, uh, I went out to my mobile one leader, and I said, um, I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for sending Ray um, to come and show me, you know, which house to go to. You know, she pointed me to go to the house. And the leader says, Mark, what are you talking about? Ray's not even on our team. I was like, no, 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 no. I saw Ray. 
She was dressed in all white. She had a blue uh, belt buckle. She had a canvassing bag in her left hand. And in her right hand, she had a walkie-talkie pointing to go to the house on the right. And I was like, no, I did see Ray. I did see Ray. And then Angel responds back and she says, Mark, Ray is about 20 miles from where you are. She's in Eva Beach, but you're in Waianae. And I was like, oh. And then Angel was like, Mark, that had to be, that had to be an angel showing you where to go, to go to that cancer patient. And so by God's grace, you know, God got a book into her, her hands and into her household. And I don't know where she is right now, but hopefully... She's resting in God. I hope each of you decide to do something eternal with your life and impact others. I know that I, and I'm going to share a little bit about this in the next sem- seminar, how God brought me into this work and, and, and also an appeal for each of you to, to do literature evangelism. But I hope that with this story that you're inspired to make a difference in other people's lives. There are so many people who are dying, so many people out there who, who still don't know Jesus, who have a misunderstanding of his character. And we are called to go out to have this light, streams of light. And so again, I thank each of you for your attentiveness uh, again, an announcement is if you attend all the seminars here that you will be receiving a special GYC edition literature evangelism bag and also a starter kit, we call it, for evangelism, including Naturally Gourmet. Uh, we have a DVD from Anchor Point Films, what we call a story time. It's a kid's book we have. And we also have Lessons on Love, which is Christ's Object Lessons. And so our next session will begin in 15 minutes after this. Um, be sure to find Alyssa. She's right here. She'll give you a sticker for your sessions for attending. And let's go ahead and have a word of prayer as we ask God to, to seal the, the message that we have heard. Father in heaven, we know that you are looking for a group of people, people who will reflect your character. I think of Christ's Object Lessons, page 69, that when we can perfectly reproduce your character, then you will come and take us home. I pray, O Lord, that we will start weighing what is really important in our life. As we contemplate our future, as we contemplate some real choices, I pray that, number one, we will serve you. And number two, we will look to see how we can bring others with us. Thank you, Father, for each person. pray that you will bless them, that the words spoken today will have brought a change in their hearts as well as my heart. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.